Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Well, good morning, church. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Heather. I'm the adult ministries pastor here. I'm going to clear my eyes so I don't start off not being able to see what I'm doing here. Um, And like my husband said, I also have the honor and joy to serve alongside him as one of the recovery ministers as well. So it is uh, a joy to get to be here today and um, to get to um, teach here in this house today when I learned that the Dream Again series had been extended um, by three weeks and then realized that I would be closing it out. I felt some pressure almost as much as Brown Bag Sunday, if any of you were here for that. Um, I shared with first service, I don't think I'll be invited back for that one. Um, But I'm excited to be here today. Pastor Nathan and um, Pastor Oscar have shared with us over the past five weeks. And so um, today in this series, as we bring this series to a close, um, I want to talk about dreaming to live at Jesus' feet. And I want us to be reminded that God is a God who gives his people dreams, he gives his people purpose, and he gives his people vision for their life. But it will all amount to nothing if we aren't aligning our dreams with his dreams, if we aren't living a life at Jesus' feet. So the question, uh, uh, or there's no question, I'm sorry, that God has a dream for us, but with that also comes the chance of hell's nightmares to come in and just steal that dream. So many people tend to give up or tend to quit. They have a dream that God planted in their heart, but then comes the discouragement, then comes the failure, then comes the lack of faith in who God is in the midst of our nightmares. Whether it's your family, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your career, it feels like never does, does God plan a dream in our heart that the enemy doesn't come and try to discourage or distract us. And oftentimes it feels like bricks coming at us at 100 miles per hour in the midst of our dreams. The moment most people give up is a moment of great opportunity. Everything we want is on the other side of not giving up. The enemy will come in, and let me tell you, his schemes are often the pathway to destiny. Very often, it purifies us and our motives. The enemy will try to to get you to give up, but I want to ask you today, can God trust you with trouble? Calvary was the pathway to the dream of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail it. And hell said, we will stop you and we will nail you to a cross. But Jesus proved that you have to get through the nightmare to get to the dream. When he hung on that cross and the gates of hell did not prevail, he rose again on the third day and Jesus stepped out of the tomb and he said, I don't think so. Job proved that if you will endure the hardship, you'll experience the dream and God blessed him double. Joseph had a dream, but then came the prison, the pit, the false accusations. It was the pathway to the dream. Some of you right now are facing some big demons in your life. Maybe it's like nothing that you've ever experienced and and you don't understand why. 
Sometimes we get so close and, and hell brings out its biggest demons to, to get us to just try and give up in the middle so that we never fully experience the dream. Sometimes when we walk through discouragement, when we walk through disappointment from what we dream of in hard times, I believe we discover three things. And the first thing that we discover is that it shuts the devil's mouth. When it's over, it will, like Job, shut the devil's mouth. All the lies that hell schemes at us. You're not good enough. You're, 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 you're not, uh, you don't have enough. You've lost too much. You're a failure. You'll never make it. You're to this. You're to that. The darkness is going to shut the devil's mouth when God comes in and just turns it around. Number two is God discovery. We will find out more about who God is in our life, in the darkness in our life. God says, I dwell in thick darkness. You'll learn more about God and who he is in the dark and the lonely places. When you're sick, when you're lonely, when you're feeling like a failure, when you feel like all of your dreams have just died, sometimes we don't want to be alone, but I believe God places us there so that he can do a mighty work in our lives. And the third thing we discover, I believe, a lot about ourselves, self-discovery. We find out who we are in the darkness. We find out where we are. And the only place we should find ourselves in the midst of darkness, in the midst of discouragement, is at the feet of Jesus. Oftentimes I've heard People say that they think it's a lowly place at the feet. But I'm here to tell you today, friends, it's one of the highest places you could ever be seated in your life. When I think about being discouraged in the midst of a nightmare, I can't help but to think of the two sisters, Martha and Mary. They lost their brother Lazarus when he died. And you see, there were some very distinct characteristics between Martha and Mary. And John 11, 1 through 6 says, On Jesus' arrival, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is significant because they believed that within the three days of death, the spirit could return to them. This was a superstitious belief that was common uh, to Judaism in the first century. Three days. Mary and Martha dreamed of their brother being resurrected. They could taste it. Report gets to Jesus and it says, he says they say, your friend Lazarus is sick. And the word tells us that Jesus loved them. He loved them. And he said, this sickness isn't unto death, but it is for the glory of God. How many times in our discouragement, in our business failures, in our, in our bad diagnosis, do we believe that Jesus loves us so much? Who can walk through the nightmare and the darkness of your dream, and the first thing that we say is, oh, Jesus loves me so much. It says, Jesus loved them, so he stayed where he was for two more days. It almost doesn't make sense. He loved them, so he stayed where he was for two more days. 
Jesus waited until after their time period had expired to reveal his glory. And I wonder, is God waiting past the point of your expectation in your life today so that his strength can kick in and, and with a new direction, with a new speed? He showed up after four days. Jesus lets the story play out and lets realities uh, come forth out of Mary and Martha's hearts. And I believe it's very much connected uh, to the Luke 10 season just prior to this, where in Luke 10, 38, Jesus comes into a town called Bethany. And of the two sisters, Martha immediately starts preparing a meal for Jesus and the disciples. In verse 39 through 42, it says, Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening, but Martha was distracted with much serving, she looked at Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sometimes we go, get so busy that we forget to just be with him. Just to sit at his feet, to encounter him. But we get so distracted in the nightmare that we forget about the dream. Mary does the most revolutionary thing here, and I really think maybe Mary is a prophetic sign to the church in this hour. Do you find yourself at Jesus' feet with your Bible open, with our mouths closed, just listening? Have you learned to prioritize a time and a place that no devil in hell can take you out of, no amount of money, no opportunity can get us out of, but in the holiest of holy moments in our days, at his feet and in his word? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things will be added to you. We get so caught up in our dreams that when the nightmare hits, hits, when discouragement starts to seep in, when disease hits you or those you love, we don't know what to do. We get in a tailspin, and oftentimes we try to play God. She sat at his feet, and she made sitting at his feet a priority. You see, I don't believe that this story is about Martha versus Mary. We need both. We need both. I believe that this is about Martha before Mary. Our primary source of identity is not what we do for God. It's who we are to God. And if we don't settle our primary dream in the natural, in a Bible, with an open heart, and we fall madly in love with Jesus in that secret place, you see, that's when God will begin to birth works out of us that will change the world around us. Martha before Mary. That's where we know our dreams are aligned with his dreams for our life. That's where we fight in the battle, in the midst of our nightmares, of the distractions, of the confusion, of wondering, did I even hear God? Sometimes we ask, is this really the dream that I'm meant to be pursuing? Is this really the dream that I'm meant to be walking in? But if you don't learn that spot first, Mary, the enemy will pull you down so fast. So fast. And in the Luke 10 season, you know, Martha didn't learn to find glory in the moment when Jesus was in her home. 
She, she didn't learn to live outside the whirlwind around her where every recent circumstance is, is where her emotions were. She lived in the crisis. She lived from crisis to crisis, kids, money, house, the thing you wanted the most that died, the breakthrough that you needed the most that died. If it didn't look like what you thought it would look like, whatever dream you had that didn't work out like you thought it should, however you relate to this. I'm preaching to somebody today who needs some, some determination. A spirit that says, I will not give up. I will not let up because I know what God has promised me. What he started, he's going to finish. What he started, he's going to perform. And I will find everything that I need, need at the feet of Jesus. Everything. In John 11 Jesus shows up here, and he's four days late. What happens when Jesus is four days late? We all know he's not really late because his timing is perfect, right? But to them, he was late. You see, when we're in the midst of trouble and discouragement, Mary and Martha were surrounded by people. But there's only so much that our friends, that our family can do for us. There's some things in our life that we say, we need Jesus for this job. We need the master. We need the healer. We need the great I am. We need the bread of life. We need the light of heaven. I need Jesus, and my posture will be at his feet. In John eleven twenty one, Martha heard Jesus was coming, and she went out to meet him. We all have different ways of dealing with discouragement in our life, with dis disappointments, with the nightmare of the dream that we dreamed for. And Martha, she met him at the gate. She met him at the gate. Every other time he's come to Bethany, she invited him in her home. But this time she met him at the gate. She said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know whatever you ask of God, you will, he will give you. To me, that sounds a little bit manipulative, but we'll see. She comes to Jesus at the gate. And this is funny because, um, you know, I, I just believe that this is so practical for us to realize how God will come as far as we let him in our life. So she met him at the gate. And, and, you know, this story is a man about Lazarus. But it's really a story about whatever you brought in here today that died on you. This is about what happens in the delay. This is about what happens in the nightmare, in the darkness, in the discouragement, in the loneliness of feeling, where are you, God? Anybody ever been there? Because I know I have. A delay of promise. A delay of breakthrough. What did you do in the delay? Jesus said, your brother will rise again. She's like, I know at the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, resurrection isn't just coming. Resurrection is here. Don't, don't start depending on your theology in these situations or your friends, but we have to look to our faith. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will have life. It's pretty simple. Jesus is like, you're missing the point. I keep trying to prove my presence by what I do, but I didn't do what you wanted me to do so that you, I didn't do what you wanted me to do so that you could see who I am. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. John eleven twenty six. Do you believe this today? She answers, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah. Martha met him at the gate and confronted him. She confessed her faith in him even in the absence of the miracle that she so desperately needed. It seems like she's saying, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, but that doesn't change my understanding of who you are. I I don't know that that's what she really meant, but I want to preach that kind of faith. So, so that when you're waiting and, 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 and things aren't moving the way you want to, you won't change your mind about who he is. They didn't raise me very well. If I only had different parents. If only they didn't abuse me. If only I wasn't betrayed. If only I wasn't abandoned. You insert whatever it is in your life. If you would have stopped it, God. If you would have prevented it, I know that you can do all things. Why didn't you? Why didn't you do what I needed you to do? I've seen you do it for others. I've seen you treat people better than me who don't treat you very well. But we continue uh, to confuse his love with conformity to our agenda. We want him to align his dream for us to ours when we should be aligning ours to his. And the only way that we can do that today, friends, is at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. Verse 28, she runs back to Mary, and Mary's sitting at the house, and Martha says, the master has come and he's asking for you, which I think is really, it doesn't say in the word that he asked for her, but she says he's asking for you. Jesus said, you missed Luke 10. Why don't you go back and learn how to sit before me? Learn the secret that Mary learned. Martha talked a great game, but I'm not sure she really believed what she said. So when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus was not in the village. He was in the place where Martha had met him. You see, he will stand where you need him to stand, and he will come as far as you invite him in. So listen, if you choose to keep God at a distance today, Scripture tells us he stood at the gate. The further you keep God away, the bigger space you leave for the killer of all dreams. He is waiting around and prowling. He's prowling. Mary goes to the exact same spot, and she says the exact same thing as Martha. But the word of God tells us that Mary said it with tears in her eyes. You know, you can say the exact same thing from two different places. There's an accusation against God, and then there's a statement of faith that doesn't understand what's going on. Maybe there's even a little bit of frustration. And Mary's like, Lord, I know who you are, but I don't understand. When he saw her pain, he participated in it. The Lazarus factor is not only that God gives miracles, but that he is with us in the pain of our disappointment, in the pain of our frustration when the dream doesn't seem like it's turning out the way that it should be. He's with us in our nightmare, and he's with us in our darkness. She said, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died. And how did Jesus respond to that? It says he groaned in the spirit. We're getting into holy ground when we start pulling a groan out of God. Interestingly enough, I love the contrast here. He asks Martha, do you believe this? But he asks Mary for a location. He said, where did you lay him? Take me to that place. Not the place where you let everybody else see. That place where you kind of buried your dreams. That place where you kind of lost your belief in God. Was it a rejection? Take me to that place. Was it a a huge loss? Take me to that place. Was it a betrayal in your life? He says, take me to that place. Was it a place of just feeling exhausted? Take me to that place. Were you embarrassed and and full of shame? He says, take me to that place. What is it, an illness that you are diagnosed with? He says, take me to that place. Was it abandonment? He says, take me to that place. You see, everybody has a Lazarus. Everybody has a turn that your life took that you didn't see coming and that God didn't prevent. And as simple as this message may be, I think it's one of the deepest ones we ever hear because God is saying, take me to that place. That place where you laid him down. That place where you stopped being optimistic, where you started just going through the motions. He says, take me to that place where you just learned to to manage rather than fighting for it. Take me to that place. They're like this way. And then it says, Jesus wept. The shortest verse, but I believe this was such a holy moment because with Jesus surrounded by all these people, tears flowed out of the Son of God's eyes. Jesus wept. He wept with his friends. He didn't give a theological or robotic response. He wept. He was actually connected to his friends and the storyline of Mary, and it cut him to the core. It says he wept. Friends, if you can't endure the nightmare, you will never see the dream. He dries his tears, and he says, roll away the stone. He said, roll away the stone. And Martha was like, Jesus, he stinks by now. Actually, I don't believe. I'm just hiding behind my Bible verses and my bumper stickers because I actually don't believe you. He's like, didn't I tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me and that you always hear me. And then he said, Lazarus, Come forth. And a man who had been dead for four days walked out of that tomb because Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. In John 11, it was talking about the lineup now, and it says it was that Mary who anointed with her oil. 
going to ask the band to come back up. Mark 14, verses 3 through 9, we now see the last of Mary of Bethany. Mary only said one phrase in all of Scripture, and it was, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. One phrase. In Luke 10, all she did was look at Jesus and listen to him, and he defended her. And he's going to defend her one last time. It's two days before Jesus is going to be crucified. It's Passion Week, and Jerusalem is hostile. It's too hectic in Jerusalem, and he goes to Bethany, and he's sitting at the house of Simon the leper in Mark 14, and it says that a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard, and she came and broke the flask, and she poured it on her head. Why was this fragrant oil wasted? It could have been sold or given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply, and Jesus breaks in, and he defends her. He said, leave her alone. She's done a good work for me. You will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. She has come to anoint my body for burial. Surely I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the world, what this girl has done is a memorial to me. The disciples, they're sitting here jockeying over who's going to sit to the right and who's going to sit to the left. And she says, I could care less about any of that stuff. The son of God is here. and I want to love him with my life. One day we will stand before God and he will ask, where did you pour out your life? Because it's going to be poured out somewhere. Don't give your time, your energy, your mind, your disappointment, or your failures to the devil. Are we going to get stuck in our nightmare and let the enemy have power over the dreams that God has for us? Or are we going to find ourselves like Mary with less words and more action? Jesus said, none of you get that I'm going to die. She said, not only do I see you and saw you coming, I'm going to take my life and I'm going to prepare it for you. And he's like, what this woman has done is will be told as a memorial. Be reminded today, friends, that adversity will advance you. We will never hear another word about Mary of Bethany. She will never have a healing ministry or an apostolic ministry. We will never hear of her doing one more thing in scripture, but she got something even greater. Jesus said, guys, you're gonna go out to the world and you're gonna preach the gospel in all the earth. And when you proclaim that Jesus died and was resurrected and that he's coming back again, he said, I want you to tell this story. A story of a life that's been so impacted by the gospel. He said, tell this story. A life that's been poured out at Jesus' feet. Some of you today might feel very unknown. But you're creating a memorial in heaven. It's not about a man or a woman who, who stands on the stage or that anointed person or that anointed person. It's about sacrificial love in silence, in weakness, in quiet when nobody sees us. When you're dissatisfied and discouraged, when you're not really sure if your dreams are aligning with, with Jesus' dreams for your life, you're at Jesus' feet. That's the stuff that moves heaven. We're at Jesus' feet. That's what I wanna go after. Scholars say that with that oil, 
And I don't know why this is so powerful to me, but I think there's a greater meaning here. They say that with that oil, Jesus would have still been smelling it when he was on the cross. You see, the religious church will always criticize extravagant worship and extravagant love. But we as believers have to say, I'm here to pour out my life no matter what. Whatever dreams you had or had or are asking God to reveal to you, remember to be Mary before Martha. Dream of being a Mary of Bethany to Jesus. There was something so special about her. Literally and figuratively, she lived a life at Jesus' feet. In her brother's death, in her sadness, in her finances, scholars say that the oil that she poured out was what would have been left from her, from her family as her inheritance to carry her through the rest of her life, possibly the upwards of $30,000. She poured it all out, everything she was given, everything she had. She poured it all out. Who will join me today and say, I'm here to pour out my life at his feet? I'm going to sing, read this benediction over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore. We love you so much. Have a great week. Go in peace.